All right, well, welcome to another episode of Boss Lady Alliance. Um, my name is Christy Silva, and I am co-host with my awesome sister, Muna, and we show up in your inbox as often as possible with topics that apply to leadership, being a, uh, a woman, a modern woman, and even a, um, a woman over... 40. And we make it, um, so anyway, we bring up a lot of issues that we contend with and um, share with you. So then it takes the power out of your experience as an aging woman, a professional woman, and um, try and cultivate some more conversation around some of these topics that not a lot of people are in conversation about. Very well said. We're glad you can join us. And yes, uh, we hope you enjoy tackling some of these these challenges that we all face as, as humans, as leaders, and especially as women of a certain age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I am Muna Silva. Christy already so graciously introduced me. And um, yeah, very happy to be here with you, my sister. And talking about uh what is today I don't know I, I'm kind of um I feel like we landed on just kind of letting it free flow we were going to do our normal um highlighting a woman that has um or is influencing us and then talking about a book that's really been impactful in our life and then kind of just shifting into kind of what comes up what do you think about that I think that's great okay cool um, well, should I talk about the lady that I've been? Yes. Who have you chosen today? Because it's a great honor to be chosen by you. <laughs> um, so she, okay, so she's an on, I found her on Instagram. Her name is Sinead Boval, and she is described, I'm just reading it off her website, so I don't misrepresent. Um, she's a futurist. She studies AI, technology, culture. Um, explain so you can understand and interviews people around AI and technology. And um, she is on uh, Instagram, on um, YouTube, and a few other platforms. And I've, I've been really kind of digging into some of her conversations around chat GBT, AI, what does that mean when um, the CEO is being fired and all these kind of current events that are happening around our fast moving technology. And she really um, breaks it down in a way where I can understand. I'm not a huge techie. I use technology a lot though. And I feel that it's really important for me to understand such as, um, you know, she interviews people on the cutting edge where they're discussing that we might not even have our cell phones in our hands anymore. That technology is going to be very similar to our brooch, right? Like it's going to be a little piece on our clothing and you reflect it back onto your hand. And I'm kind of thinking, well, all right, how, you know, some of the things that I've been using my phone for are um, online shopping, right? And um, taking photos and uh, Google Maps and, you know, all these kind of useful tools. So how will those tools translate out of, you know, my phone and when will this happen? And so there's just all these kinds of things that, that she discusses, um, discusses 
um, open AI and how ChatGBT is um, really addressing some of the current issues around um, how do we make um, AI available to all and, and to allow for inclusivity and um, ensuring that it is safe. You know, like she found someone who had essentially duplicated her platform and used her information to create this AI representation of her and is making money off of her content. So how do we, you know, how do we work around that? And so there's a lot of really um, current things that we're facing that really affect um, those um, both in and out of the technology world, I think that are important to stay current on. And, and she's been a really great neutral yet, um, fairly neutral source of information for me and um, just an all around total, you know, badass woman. So I thought I would highlight her because I've been utilizing her information and, and I think it's, um, she's an important one to, to be of note. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to look into that because there's, there's a lot going on there and it is really important because it is, does have the potential to truly change what we contend with with the rest of our lives and future generations and you know all those things we've joked about for a million years are are real possibilities now yeah it affects our learning you know there's teachers who are having to take a look at what what are the subjects that we are learning now because chat gbt can then recreate write papers and papers are written to describe your understanding of how you think or, you know, your understanding of information and how you think about it. So, you know, there's going to be such a, how we interact with each other, how we develop ourselves, um, how we move about in this world is going to dramatically change. And there's a lot of decisions and adjustments that are being made today that will affect us 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And so I think it's, really important to be um, informed on those things. And so um, she's been a great resource for them. Yeah, because I mean, I'm a dork, I'm a Star Trek junkie, and I love the idea of replicators and transporters, you know, to get where we're going. But some of the other stuff, I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I really, you know, want to live in fully in that world. But, you know, some of the things that are we've been, you know, we're seeing come to fruition are truly, you know, truly the stuff that we still think, I still think of as science fiction. So yeah, the trip, like the, like the brooch looking phone. Yeah. I think we're kind of on the cusp of, um, you know, technology, the fact that we're, we're bringing back the brooch, <laughs> right? Yes. Cause they'll just be able to like embed our contacts in that. And I'll be like, ding, 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 call Christy. Yeah. Show me, show me where, uh, how many, ca like how many, looking, looking on your, in your hand, how many calories are in my hand? How much protein is in the nuts in my hand? It will look at it and then tell you. Yeah. See, I love how you go to nutrition and health. And I was just like, send me new sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I go. Like, I need new Uggs. I need comfort. Send it now. Okay. Chocolate stat. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm out of ice cream. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. So 
So, um, yeah, I went down that rabbit hole. And then um, as far as books, um, okay, have you heard of Brianna West? No. Okay, she's kind of this really cool woman. She's younger than us, I think, but she's a poet and um, very much a deep thinker. And she wrote this book. It's a really easy read and um, almost feels like um, when I picked it up, I was thinking, well, I don't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm too old for this book. I've already kind of done this work, you know, and, you know, it's sort of base. I don't, you know, I need something a little more, you know, spiritually and emotionally challenging. And, and I started reading it and I'm like, no, no, this is very important for me to read. And um, so anyway, it's, and I love the title. It's called The Mountain Is You. And it is um, a very quick read, yet something that you can almost study on a like a day-to-day basis. So it can be part of your morning routine of self-care and, and sort of realigning your um, mindset to something that it is that is much more from a uh, loving space rather than a um, a victim mentality or a space of lack or any of those things. Anyway, Brianna West, The Mountain is You, and it's called, and it's transforming self-sabotage into self-mastery. And it's amazing. When I read this, I realize how much I self-sabotage in very little ways. And those little ways matter. And you can hear my dog. Can you hear Hunter whining? Hi, Hunter. She's like, I'm close. Miss Hunter, such a good puppy. She's a mature woman too. Yes, yes, she is. She's actually probably on the other side of the evil that is perimenopause and is just laughing at us for our suffering. (laughs) She's like, I've been there and done that. Anyway, I survived. You will too. (laughs) Yes, I survived. part of your pilgrimage into chromedomhood. <laughs> yeah, she's a fulcrum. So anyway, that's my that's my book. I it's simple, it's um very easy to read and again, well, easy to read. Sometimes harder to live and digest. digest. Yes. Yeah, which, which makes me love it even more. So those are my two things. Who's who's your lady of amazingness? Well, to hold with tradition, I swing very different way than you, uh, but I was on a flight recently, Delta, and they had a documentary that just came out uh, on Mary Tyler Moore. Um, I think HBO just did it, and so I'm hoping it's on Max for anybody who wants to watch it, so you don't have to necessarily fly a flight, but um, worth it. Great documentary. Um, of course, you know, she's just adorable, and we've all felt like we've known her our whole life right like I love the Dick Van Dyke show and of course Mary Tyler Moore show later on and um you know uh she was just such a you know all the words that are attributed her trailblazer icon feminist um just you know but those aren't those are words we've attributed to her not words she's attributed to herself in fact some of them like feminist she she fought against I'm not a feminist it's not you know I'm not out there marching and doing these things like leave me out of this. I'm just trying to be true to who I am. Um, you know, she was just adorable girl next door, but she, you know, she fought things in her own way, but not in 
um, not that she was trying to change stuff or trying to, you know, lead a movement. She was just trying to be her, you know, and so, you know, going back to the Dick Van Dyke show when she showed up on air as the first woman wearing pants, you know, it was because that's what women really wear, not because she was trying to be the first or, you know, so I think that's why we just loved her and responded to her. It was so natural. Um, so much of, you know, who she was came across on, you know, the screen and, you know, just wholesome and sweet, but, you know, underneath all that, she had, you know, all the same troubles and horrors and issues in life that, that everyone deals with and then some, and, um, you know, just so much challenge and, um, but she was really cool. Uh, I think, you know, she was amazing and talented and she knew what she wanted and she knew what she wanted to do with her career in a time when, you know, women didn't have so much say or get to do it the way they wanted. Um, and I think the reason she was successful was she didn't try and control every bit. She didn't try and do it all. She said, you know, this is what I want. And this is, this is where my strength is. And I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And she pulled the right people around her to do the pieces she wasn't, she didn't want to do and she wasn't so good at and that she knew she wasn't so good at. And um, I think, you know, that's, there's a great lesson in that, that doing and being and marching your path doesn't mean you have to do and control and try and fight through every last bit. It means letting go and getting help and drawing on the right help and you know team effort kind of thing so I really like that about her and and I like that the the documentary kind of highlighted that that you know she didn't try and do it on her own she just tried to do it her way mm. so kind of cool and of course she's adorable yeah. that's amazing I love too that she was a pioneer in that style of leadership where you recognize that you can't do it all and that you, it's essential to have people around you to fill in the spaces that you cannot, and that, um, that courage of honesty and awareness. And, and in that, you get to really achieve that focus goal that, that sounds like she was very dictated on and determined to see through. I mean, she kept a lot of the same people you know, involved in her career for many years, you know, writers from the Dick Van Dyke show worked with her, you know, on Mary Tyler Moore and, and beyond. And um, so she built a very strong support. And some of that was just because people responded to her because of her, you know, who she was. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's really great because, you know, Hollywood, yeah, it's kind of its own, thing but it is just a big business and it is the same thing you you bring the people with you that bring out the best in you or allow you to be your best and you know you try and do that um, wherever you are and wherever you're working and as you move along and and um, you know that's all she did was she had her team and she tried to keep her core team as much as she could pretty cool I also like that you brought up the, the, did you research kind of her 
process or uh, understanding of, of wearing pants, that it was about, did I hear you right? That she, it wasn't about being different. It was just about representing properly women yeah. in real life. And, and that um, she re retaliated against someone making something, making it about something that it was not, that she really wanted to make sure that it was about just truly representing who women are. Yeah, and representing the character she was playing less than just, you know, I mean, her friends and herself, you know, she was a housewife or, you know, a wife herself. She's like, I don't mop the floor and cook dinner in a big hoop skirt. You know, I throw on pants and flats. Why, you know, why are we telling women that this is how they act? None of my friends do this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just, you know, that bringing that honesty forward. Yeah, and then uh, my recent read is even uh, more uh, just out there than normal, maybe, or certainly different <laughs> than that. Um, I was re uh, reading Samuel Beckett's trilogy, which oh. is actually three books, Malloy, Malone Dies, and The Unnameable. And um, just, you know, thinking about him and all he did for minimalist and just, you know, writing and uh, theater as well as, as novels and books. Um, you know, he's a fascinating man. You know, he was born in Ireland, but he lived most of his life in France and he wrote most of his stuff in French and then would translate them. But because he translated so much of his own work, um, he would capture like the cultural differences and the nuances. So he really wrote almost everything twice instead of just, you know, or at least, you know, that's what people say. I, I'm not, uh, I don't speak French. I know you do. Um, I'm not that fancy, but I read the English and I'm like, okay, that it must be challenging to translate your own work like that and, and not, um, not tweak it to, to the, to the other language. And he just went with it. Um, but um, I think, you know, he's most known for uh, Waiting for Godot, which is actually, you know, a, a play. But, um, you know, he focused on the thought of the characters and the inner workings of being, you know, it's very philosophical and, you know, it's not normal plot and story and character development. It's very, it's a very different read. And it's certainly not for everyone. <laughs> But, um, you know, for, for me, I'm, I'm not a literary scholar. Mm -hmm. um, I like the order. And um, so in the three books, you know, they, they build on each other and they ease you through the style. You know, they start more, more structured and it kind of breaks down. And um, so it's kind of cool because it's, it's like inside out, you know, um, and it's really brilliant the way he does that. Um, you know, he gives you this depth and the subtext and this truth and this rawness and lets you figure out the who, the what, the when, the why. Um, so it's, you know, completely different from everything else. And it's really just, it's just really kind of cool. Um, but he just, you know, transports you into different heads. And I mean, like you said, it, it's not for everyone, but but it's beautiful and it, it makes you think. So um, I don't feel a mouth on me, nor a head. Do I feel an ear? Frankly, now, do I feel an ear? Well, frankly, now I don't. 
So much the worse. I don't feel any ear either. This is awful. Make an effort. I must feel something, yes? I feel something. They say I feel something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I feel. Tell me what I feel, and I'll tell you who I am. They'll tell me who I am. I won't understand. But the thing will be said. They'll have said who I am, and I'll have heard. Without an ear, I'll have heard. And I'll have said it without a mouth. I'll have said it. I'll have said it inside me, then in the same breath outside me. Perhaps that's what I feel. An outside and an inside and me in the middle. Perhaps that's what I am. The thing that divides the world in two. On the one side, the outside. On the other, the inside. That can be as thin as foil. I'm neither one side nor the other. I'm in the middle. I'm the partition. I have two surfaces and no thickness. Perhaps that's what I feel. Myself, myself vibrating. I'm the tympanum. On the one hand, the mind. On the other, the world. I don't belong to either. It's not to me they're talking. It's not of me they're talking. No, not it. I feel nothing of all that. Try something else. Mm. I mean, just, wow. Like I said, not for everyone, 80 paragraph or 80 page chapter or paragraphs, the world's longest sentences, but, you know, it really does make you think and feel. It's really impressive. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's like the whole journey just in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it takes you back to that time when you had time as, you know, as a youth and probably as a teenager to try and tackle all those big questions that, you know, life just gets in the way of now. We don't have time to think like that. Um, so it's interesting. Sounds like you're making time for things like that. Well, it is easier to think like that when you're reading a book like that. <laughs> the cheat. There you go. My cheat of the day. <laughs> yeah, is that is that partially why you really enjoy, you know, those types of books is because it 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 brings you back to those moments of of challenging the big questions and asking those big questions does it help you find the answers I don't know if it helps me find the answers I don't think anybody finds those answers but it helps I think me recognize certainly that book those books that you know um, that we all do think about these things like you know it's not um, you know the way my brain works and the 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 way I think like when I'm preparing for these and I'm like you know how I'm gonna say it in my head and five minutes later I'm like way off on another topic but I'm still talking like I'm gonna like how I think I'm going to share it but I've switched topics like 12 times because that's just how our brains actually work it's fun to go in somebody else's brain and see that, okay, we all do that. 
And, um, you know, uh, I, I guess it's comforting to feel that, you know, we're all nuts. <laughs> but yes, that is very true. Yeah. We all yeah. strive and kind of just get lost in the circle sometimes and, you know, never really get a straight line. Yeah. We all have, we all have no idea what we're doing. It's just a false understanding of how much control we have that gives us the illusion that yes. we do know what we're doing. I think it's all try. It's all, it's all try. Whatever's behind that try is different. I think it's also driven from, you know, what's the what's least likely to embarrass me or make me stand out in in a way that I'm going to perceive as negative. Mm-hmm. You know, that controls so much of our actions every day. Yeah. I love that you um, enjoy books that get you in other people's heads. I think that's like really cool. I feel like all of my books are me trying to figure out and organize what's in here. And I think you're kind of doing the same thing, but like look like looking in other people's heads. You know what I mean? To figure out like it's it's such a cool, like we're doing the same thing but in different ways almost. There's like two there's different approaches to it, but but I'm very distinctly like the mountain is you. You are um, wherever you go, there you are. You know, like all these, like you know, I, I'm in such the the process of um, looking within, looking within, looking within, and and I I love that you look within differently. You know that you um, use character and character development and um, right and uh, look into writers and understand about them and what gets them excited about what they're writing about or you know the women that you bring to the table and who they are and how it differs from them what how they're perceived and how that affects them you know like you are very hyper curious about what gets other people checking you know and and I'm not sure I'm 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 there but I'm still in the interest. I'm still always focused on the self, which is interesting. Like it's just beautiful. I love that. We have two very similar but different approaches. I'm inspired to to explore through um, books that get me into other people's heads. Yeah, I just, I think of it as escapist. I don't think of it as, you know, then turn it inward. But, um, you know, I just, I guess it just feels like, um, you know, humans are are much, much more similar than, than we often then we can immediately see mm-hmm. you know there is there is more grain of humanity and in, in humanness than you know and 
I think maybe perhaps because I am less social, like you get that experience through, um, I mean, you're, you talk to others, you work closely with others, you counsel others, you, um, you know, you, you truly participate and guide and teach and are there for people in the best of times and the worst of times and all of the in-between times. Um, and so I think you, you, you're, you're definitely not selfish. You're not, you're not always just looking inward. You look very, very outward, but I think your reading time is when you get to focus on self and, mm-hmm. um, I mean, still from a place of, okay, how can I use this betterment to help others? But, uh, I think that's, that's your time for you. And so I think it's just our, the difference in our, in our lifestyles and our, certainly our core kindness levels, because yours is amazing and mine could do some work. (laughs) So, you know, I don't, um, you know, I don't get that involved with that many people and, and pour that much of myself and others into my day to day to day life. So I have space for that in, in what I read in a different way than you do. I think it's just, you know, I, that's a very wise observation. Yes. You're totally right. Yeah. yeah. I think you're, you spend more time in other people's heads than, than I do just yeah. by far, just real people, not, not novel people. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And so then, wow. So like, it sounds like we're both, we're both really filling in the space in our, in our, with our time, you know, for me, it's more inward reflection for you. It is more outward reflection. And, and, and so in fact, that the self-care is there, the, the curiosity is very strong with both of us. We're, we're cultivating the space that needs to get filled in our lives would not have uh, just gotten there out of the blue but yeah I think that's that's almost a um a socialism for me and a you know a way of that's you know safe and doesn't take it out of me as much because I I have you know I have trouble not trouble I have <laughs> I trouble but um you know, um, I'm definitely much more shy and reserved and, you know, far from as open, um, as you, as you are, but you're like off the chain. Um, and yeah, so it may be one-sided, but it's, it's comfortable and, and I can, yeah. And I think a lot of people, that's why we read. Um, Do you feel connected? when you read when you do you feel connected when you read and you discover that how you think and feel is not much different than others yeah I think that's ultimately what we get from the page is um you know we we look on the page no matter what we're reading for those similarities to self and you know they're they're always there no matter how horrible the person or the character you're reading about, there's always that that humanity that that's there. Especially, you know, especially out of a good author. You know, 
not everybody brings crew humanity to life, but, you know, um, but it's there. You can find it, you know, read Dostoevsky or, um, yeah. Oh my God. War and Peace, beautiful prose. Like, <laughs> and there's so much there, you know, there's, there's so many Austin. We've talked about Jane Austen, um, you know, Truth on Page. Truth on Page. What happens to you when you read Truth on Page? No, it's it's so rewarding. It's just, um, yeah. I think it, they give you friends. I mean, don't isn't that how it works? I mean, you even just watching something you love, um, you know, you feel like you know that person, and you know, it there's a kinship there. You know. Mm -hmm maybe not the only way one should get, you know, a relationship. And I'm not saying it's the only way, I, you know, I have a poor husband who I drag along with me everywhere. Um, so, but, um, but it is very, very good and rewarding. I think definitely opens your eyes to things you would never do yourself or think yourself for certainly times and places you can never experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's why we've, Reading is very important. It's a cliche for a reason. Don't make your kids read. Read to them. Do what you know. Dolly Parton has a book club that where she sends free books to kids, and I have a couple of friends um, with little ones that are subscribed to that, and they get a wonderful book every month for free, so they can cultivate their children's creativity, imagination, you know, connection to what it is to be a human, all of those things at an early age. What a beautiful thing that she does. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I tried to do that when my nieces and nephews were little, tried to, you know, I'd give them something fun too, but I'd always try to get them a, get them a book or um, with every gift giving event and to encourage that and you know I always loved reading but I mean obviously we didn't have quite as many entertainments when we were young we had outside and books <laughs> yeah. today now we'll never understand but uh, yeah and I mean different language and different words and um you know you get so much from from then and I like book books too I mean I read on my phone or a tablet especially at night it's much more convenient you know reading in bed like I don't miss that um but I love the the texture of a good book in your hand and the feeling of the pages and working really hard to keep the spine nice you know I'm sad I got one crisp one cut in there but and I've had this book, I don't even know, because um, I know I read it years and years ago, but I've had it forever. Um, yeah, when I moved, oh my gosh, every time I move, I'm like, why do I have all these books? And then can't get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Just buy more. Yeah. The smell of the books. Yeah. 
and the history. I mean, like, uh, because I've had so many of my books along and, you know, so now I'm like rereading them after, you know, sometimes 20, 30 years and, you know, the bookmark, you know, just takes you right back to where you bought it or I'll find a napkin in there or a flight stub or something. And I'm like, you know, I bought this in Salt Lake City the six months I lived there or, you know, when was that again? How many years ago was that again? Or, you know, um, yeah, there's time capsules. I try and went through all my books um, two weeks ago to see if I could get rid of any of them. And I was like, nope. Yeah. And I was like, I have to make space for more. And I was like, hmm. No, I just don't think I'm going to get more. <laughs> yeah, just time to buy more shelves. More shelves, more more boxes. I have like loads of boxes of books all over lining my wall. Nothing wrong with that. It's all yeah. funny games till you have to dust them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Have you ever thought about writing? You know, I'm, I just really didn't get that skill. I didn't. I mean, you know, Nana does uh, or has, and I, I think you read her book, right? Uh, I read it a million years ago. Um, uh, I do okay. I mean, I've had some, I mean, years and years ago, had some, um, some short poems published and stuff, but nothing, um, yeah, nothing that takes a big commitment. <laughs> in, in years, I would not be a quick the writer <laughs> yeah I haven't figured out what I want to say yet maybe someday when when I just decide I have something to say but so far a lot of other people you're do not inspired or that you that you think you don't ha you don't have it in you like oh. if, if it doesn't matter who reads it or any of that stuff or that like do you feel compelled to create characters and no, I really don't. I don't have that drive. And I have, you know, wonderful friends that are published authors, amazing authors. Um, they'll they'll end up on this, you know, on, on books and women we love Zoom. Um, but no, I, I never had that. And I was just always in awe. One of my friends, just um, amazing author. And, you know, even when we were kids, I mean, we were little kids together. And, you know, she would just have stories and characters in her head and and it would just you know come out and I was just always in awe of that but it's not just like you can sit down and draw a beautiful picture and just you know create and I'm like that's amazing but you know I'm gonna trace that later and then tweak it to my, but I can't just get it out <laughs> yeah I just love hearing you talk about books and I, I, I was just curious if that was something yeah. kind of bubbling up within you, but not yet, maybe someday, but yeah, I'm a great admirer. You're an, yeah, an enjoyer and admirer. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm more in awe because I can't do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just like art and photography and all these wonderful things, you know, I can respect it more because I can't get anywhere near that. 
I don't know. I've seen some of your art. It's pretty creative. You have such... You lose creativity. I think it's just not in certain ways that your creativity is different than some of the things that you're compelled by, you know, and so maybe writing is one of them, but that you have that design mind. I mean, oh yeah, I putt. I mean, I do my cards and, you know, I'll do embroidery or something goofy, but, you know, nothing groundbreaking. And I certainly don't have that enough focus and drive in any one direction. I've always just been a little too scattered because <laughs> I like different things. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, to to really hone in in one direction and be like, okay, I'm I've actually got some natural talent and the drive to do this. Mm. Not for me. Yeah. In fact, I've been, um, you know, that's probably when one of the things that's been that I've found that that I really set myself up bad for was um, I was good at working you know, and giving and doing that all. And, you know, no matter what the task was um, and let that be too, too important, too critical, to the only thing I was good at, to all my focus and drive always went to that, you know, um, and, and, against anything else you know well they needed an extra shift at work covered that's nope that comes first before anything else we'll take that extra shift and um yeah didn't get you very didn't get me very far um it's the wrong thing to focus on but um you know that I let that be my everything and my you know my my creative and my everything for so long that was you know I didn't I haven't had time I haven't given myself time for anything else I'll write that ship eventually maybe yeah that's changed though you're creating the stuff now yeah I realized it took a long time a lot of big bumps and bruises that that work is and what you do is one piece of your life. Mm -hmm. And I let it be a lot of pieces. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but too many. Instead of work being work and career being career, you know, that's not your mental and that's not your physical and that's not your emotional and it's not your you know, psychological or, you know, all these other things. Like, no, like it needs to stand alone. I wonder if that, you know, because I, I went through the same thing where I just completely ha had a total shift in my belief system around how, how um, I defined or how I lined up the value my work holds in relation to my family and my rest and myself and um, my gifts or, you know, whatever, like work was, um, I had such a sense of identity wrapped around 
work-related things, whether it, whether it was um, what I did, whether it was a job title, whether it was the goals I had created within that space. Um, all of those things carried so much weight. And I did realize um, what was I expecting on the other end of that? What was I assuming would be there when I completed or achieved? And um, regardless of what I was hoping for, I came to this realization that it was not going to be there. And and even in, and I think I enjoyed the journey of um, being a, I enjoyed being a worker among workers. I enjoyed being a, a strong, holding a strong work ethic and um, always staying late, always showing up early and um, available, being available on many levels. I enjoyed that. And then I stopped enjoying it. You know, like it, it just didn't work anymore. And I'm, 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 in my own kind of reflection on that shift, that change, and and um, not only I think a belief system, but um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. I almost feel like it's a total shift in values, where I where I placed my values. I don't think my values has changed, but it's um, where where do I nurture them? Well, I think that's the thing. We, especially in the Western culture, we hang so much of our identity on what we do for a living, mm-hmm. and you know the education level or the work we put into that, and um, that we we treat that like it's of and is value it's as critical as um you know our spiritual belief or anything else like what we do becomes we treat it like it's who we are entirely and you Mm -hmm. scratch that surface a little bit and and it's very hollow what you do is not who you are it how you do it is you know what you give of yourself and and how hard you work and being the hardest worker, the most dedicated or always available. All those values are, those are values and those are good. We did, I know I personally took them to the extent where it was just, it wasn't even because I wanted to do it. It was an expectation or that, you know, I was doing it for them instead of realizing, well, I love to do that stuff for me. Like it makes me feel good and I can do that, but to this level, not to this level. (laughs) some parameter around it but I think we just get lost in you know that is the value and not that's what we are or what we do is you know just it's not a value I don't know what it is it's just part of or a a cliff note you know it's a 
it's parentheses. It's not, you know, Muna Silva, master of the world, Muna Silva, master of the world. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you see the grandeur of which I think of I, myself? I, do you, I, know, I, did you I, see where I went instantly? Yes. Yeah. I will stamp that as approved. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the egos that keep us going. <laughs> yeah, there's part, yeah, there's part, big purpose in ego. You know, like I think too, it's like, yeah, some of that stuff at work is, it was ego derived, like, right? Like I, so I, I get, you know, I perform a certain way and my ego is inflated. Yes. <clears throat> and I took, you know, um, you know, work as is no one, as if no one is watching. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is a great, if you keep it in context and you really let yourself, okay, yes, you shouldn't fall asleep just because nobody's around. You should still be working, but work as if no one is working, I would take to, or as no, as if, you know, you're being watched, I would take to such an extreme that, you know, um, well, I have to give 120% all the time and I have to do that. Somebody's no, that just means do what you're going to do all, you know, be consistent. And yeah, I would just, I would get off that deep end a little bit and just take it just that little too far. Yeah. You know, cause I don't feel like I'm giving less or doing, you know, um, by putting parameters around it and by defining myself as, as other things before my job title and, um, you know, by leaving 30 minutes late after my shift ends and not, you know, an hour after my shift ends consistently, um, you know, the company's not losing for that. They're not, you know, that's not, that's not changing their bottom line or even their impression of me and what I bring, mm -hmm. but it, drastically changing how I feel and my lack of resentment and you know that I have that control that I can do that and I know I'm doing just as good and I'm okay mm -hmm. you know yeah that you're okay so you really I think what it is redefines what how you gauge whether you're okay or not. Yeah, I get to choose that. We all get to choose that. And that is one of the biggest powers we give away in this world, especially as women. Oh my goodness. And we've touched on this before. Yeah. You know, we let everyone else decide what makes us okay. Yeah. And, you know, there's always going to be that influence we're not going to win everything. There's always going to be those negative comments that get to win. I'm sorry. But if we can just tackle a few of the big ones that that build us our core strength to, to fight the other ones or to not have them crush us anyway, you know, we can let more negative roll off because, you know what, where it matters, I'm holding strong. You know, that's all we can do. Mm -hmm. But yes, find that big thing and and make define yourself 
what makes that okay and and you okay and cling to that and to hell with the rest. How does your definition of whether you're okay or not line up against your understanding of what your purpose is? Understanding a purpose. I think you are very lucky. I think you have a, a profound understanding of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very driven from how nurturing and how caring and how much you get and give towards others. Um, us normal little like human beings that don't just, you know, ooze angelic. Um, I, I don't know if I have a grand purpose. If I do, I haven't found it yet. Um, but I'm okay without it. Mm. Right? I mean, I don't need to change the whole world. I, I need to be master of it, as I already said, but I don't need to change the whole world. So your purpose is to master the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so profound. I I, I want to sit on that for a bit. Like, so you don't feel, and and have you felt this your, through your whole life? You don't feel compelled to understand or to cultivate or to nurture your sense of purpose. I think that's something that I've recently let go because I think my purpose was so tied into what I did mm. and where I was going in career. It was so singularly focused that um, when I let that go, that vision of what what I was supposed to be professionally and who I was supposed to be and what level I was supposed to achieve um, – the, the kind of the, that need for a for a all driving purpose just is kind of what I was able to let go and just be like, you know what? I'm good. You know, I'll do a little of this and a little of that and I might find a purpose, um, you know, but I'm enjoying saying, you know, yeah, I do this. I have a day job. It, you know, I give my all to, but I have a day job, but heck, I'm doing Boss Lady Alliance with my sister and I'm doing Lake House Crafts and I'm doing all this other stuff and um, it's not just one thing anymore. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like a purpose. It just feels like I finally got a life. <laughs> You're having fun. I just have a life. You know, those things that people, that you see people on TV have that you're like, huh, how do they do that? They let go a little bit. Yeah. It's the world according to Muna today, anyway. I love that. So letting go of that drive need of purpose has afforded you a life. What else has it given you? Mm, I'm off blood pressure medication. Stop it. So it's affected you somatically. It's affected you, would you say, emotionally? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. Like your mental health Holistically, is better. and I feel better, and, you know, I, I have time to, to move and be, and, right? I mean, I think 
we we just we can't control everything people i mean i know we want to god knows if you know if you would just let me run everything everything would be so smooth and nice uh for all of you and you wouldn't have to worry about it but you know what i am not up to running everything anymore you're gonna have to do some of it yourself i just want the title queen of the world <laughs> god i'm a pain in the butt <laughs> Delightful, though. Yeah. Delightful pain in the butt. I am my mother's child, am I not? Yes, you are. <laughs> All the good things. So if someone's listening to our podcast and they're they're like on this brink of like wanting to let go, but it's like sort of like, you know, you're on you're on the edge of the mountain and you're kind of looking down and you see this steep, you know, drop off and literally there's just like a little bit of step away to the other side but you're just fixated on that drop and there's just a lot of fear and um around what might happen when you make that next step um what would you say to that person listening after having just experienced this process yeah um yeah there's there's a lot of freedom in in dropping and you know you will land you'll definitely land you know that's not the problem um yeah think like you know holding sand in your hand the tighter you hold the more it comes out you know you loosen that grip and all of a sudden you have a handful of sand mm. um, you know they've been saying that I don't know since Grecian days um you know, refer back to episode one, the leap, um, you know, take the leap, um, you know, I think you never know till you try, and, you know, isn't that nagging voice in the back of your brain that's saying, you really need to do this, you really need to let go, you really need to, you know, isn't that more annoying than just letting go? you know shut yourself up <laughs> you know what I learned this week the word courage comes from the French word courage and do you know what core means heart it makes sense courage comes from the heart yeah No, I know. I love following um, origins of words and stuff because you hear that and you're like, well, that makes, that just makes sense. But, you know, until you actually follow the trail and, mm -hmm. you know, it makes the word more profound. What heart-centered shift helped you with that courage to, to take that leap? And to experience the freedom that you're experiencing. Right now. Yeah, I think we let go when when we're ready, mm -hmm. and um, I think everything kind of comes together at the right time. And um, ultimately, it's not so much of a fight or a challenge if you're ready. If you're just 
paying attention to yourself and, you know, willing to listen to what's really bothering you and, you know, don't just take one thing into account, you know, look at, okay, well, my stress level is through the roof and I'm not sleeping well and, you know, my back always hurts or this, that, and the other thing. Well, that probably all ends up in the same place if you trace it back to, you know, to one big thing that's juking you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, changing that one thing is not that big when you look at all this, all the trauma and drama and stuff it's causing around you. You know, mm -hmm. when we look at the people we admire, those are the people that we, you know, the people were like, man, they've got it together. Well, they probably let go. You know, they're probably not trying to fight every single battle like I still am. You know, they're fighting the two or three that matter to them and they're letting a lot of stuff go. Easier said than done at the start of the holidays, but yeah. You know what? My focus shift has gone from actually taking the leap to really just showing up for, at the edge. I'm just, who am I at this edge right now? How am I showing up for this? How am I showing up for myself? How am I showing up for others? Am I available for this experience right now? Yeah, you know? it's you in the moment. Totally in the moment. And I, I stop... Um, makes it so much easier for me to not be in judgment or struggle around what I need to be doing or where I should be or um, how I am compared to someone else or any of that stuff. I am, I am totally centered in the moment. However that may be, it could be, you know, tired, insecure, all those things. I am of use somewhere for someone. I just need to show up. I just need to be where I'm being asked. And I'm, I'm I need to be right where I'm at and, and do exactly what's right in front of me. And then all of a sudden I'm just kind of like, wee, and I'm jumping off the, the you know, the, the the edge, you know, and all of a sudden I'm I'm there, you know, like I'm floating. Like, I think it's like, I don't even need to, don't, I don't even need to worry if I even bring up letting go. Like, same with like awakening. Like, you know, like there's this guy I listen to and he's like, awakening is literally the worst thing ever because everyone's obsessed with awakening and it totally takes them out of the ability to be awake to who they are and to self-actualize, you know? And, and, and same with letting go. Like, I feel like my whole focus is that I don't, I'm not concerned whether I let go or not. It's that where am I, you know, am I planted in the moment right now? Who, how am I showing up for this moment? Would I change anything? And then ask for the courage to change what I need to change. And then basically just do what's in front of me. And then all of a sudden, I'm just at the, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the air. I haven't even like done anything. I, I don't need to do anything. There's nothing to do other than just be my, my self, 
both all the good and bad things. That's it. That is all that is required. And then all of a sudden I've, I'm in, I'm in a space of, of freedom and I'm more efficient yeah. and I'm more uh, enjoyable to be around and I'm more helpful and life is wonderful. And my perception of the world around me and my participation in it is just completely different experience. You know? I think, I mean, I, I know it's easier said than done. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I'm alive. I get it. Life's hard. Uh, but we're always focused on the next step and not the step we're on. Yeah. Just pull back that little bit and focus on where you are and you'll get to that next step so much easier. Yeah. So good. We should call this There's Nothing to Do episode. Yes. Bask in the nothing episode. Yeah. <laughs> Muna and Christy. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do anything. Just hang out. <laughs> do nothing and love it. <laughs> Yeah, things get done. Things get done without you. Do nothing. It's all good. No. So good. Ah. Awesome. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, sister. We've been talking a lot about you the last couple of days. I think you're your really? Vernon. Just how wonderful you are and uh just yeah. It's awesome. Um. Yeah. Well, we miss you. We can't wait to connect in person soon. Hopefully. Yeah, I'll get back out there soon to visit. It's been a minute. Actually, it's been almost a year. So. Yeah. I know so much for my every six months, but. Okay. Life is life. Yeah. I don't know. I it'd be cool for Sal and I to come out there. I really want to go out there. Oh, we would love to have you. And yeah. I know you hate to fly. I get it, but um four hours and you're here. And yeah. you know, we'll make it wonderful for you. You know, I met can I tell you this really quick? I met this guy who actually flies for um Delta. And so I'm going to go on that airline and hopefully maybe get him to be my pilot. <laughs> we'll see. I'm like, okay, what, where are you, what are, what numbers are you flying? And, I, and when you go to Georgia, let me know and I'll, I'll get on there. Anyway. Um, he was like, he's like, I've noticed, he's like, I've been flying for 30 years, pilot for 30 years. And I've noticed that the people who are most nervous about, Flying are those with a great sense of responsibility. And this goes to a lot of what hangs me up on letting go. A lot of the stuff that we've talked about is my sense of responsibility to be something that I am not. Right. And he said that, that the people with a sense of responsibility have a harder time flying than anyone I've ever experienced. And he's all, it is CEOs, policemen, and new mothers. 
Mm. Yeah. Because they all have this great sense of responsibility. And he's like, I just look at them and I say, you're not in control. Enjoy it. Yeah. And that's all they have to do. You have you know. a team of people. You have the pilots in the flight deck and the team of flight attendants that are there for your safety. Sit back. I know, it's hard. I'm not a good passenger. If I'm in a vehicle, I better be driving. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I, and it, but it put it in such a different perspective for me. And, you know, he talked a lot about the mechanics and all that stuff, which is great. And I understand that planes enjoy being in the air. They actually don't like being on the ground. Like yeah, they are in, in the air. And, um, and he, um, but, but, so that was helpful, but the most helpful is just to hear the sense of responsibility. It's different than someone saying, well, you're a control freak. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I it's that a great way to put it in positive, which it mostly yeah. is. And, yeah. you know, to speak to a healthy way to speak to a nervousness versus putting it in a negative light. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. There's just the different wording was really helpful for me. So, mm. May may I feel content in my sense of responsibility today? Yeah, I'll just start. Stop it. May I be content? Yeah. <laughs> Period. End of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. May I be content. Okay. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us everywhere. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, Instagram. Uh, we're available on RSS, Amazon. You can listen to us um, on pretty much any of your favorite podcast servers. And if we're not somewhere that you would like to see us, please let us know. We love your comments. We respond. We answer. So please join our conversation and um, and add those comments on any of the platforms where you see us. Um, we would love to hear from you. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>